Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to our Casual Friday chat. Uh, I'm Holly Fry. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. So uh, the first thing we talked about this week was Cannery Row in the Monterey area uh, and how the thing it is today references the thing it used to be, but the fishing and canning industry there is is not what's driving it anymore. Yeah, uh, something that this reminded me of from the very beginning um, was how it wasn't called Cannery Row when the book Cannery Row was written. Correct. And it reminded me of The House of the Seven Gables in Salem, Massachusetts, um, which which you and I have been to and recorded some videos at a while back, which was not known as the House of the Seven Gables and did not have seven gables when that book was <laughs> written, but uh, as part of a settlement house's fundraising efforts, um, like the the house came to reflect what had been depicted in fiction. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's to me, it's I'm very fascinated by this idea that um, Cannery Row is a historic district, but like. It's not as though those canneries still exist, although the buildings still do. It's right. a little bit different than like, this is a historic home. We have preserved it and it's, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, restored yeah. it to the way it once was, which is both a departure from what I would normally expect from something uh, that is so steeped in history. But also there's the part of me that admires that what could have become kind of like a, a dead space of, you know, abandoned businesses became a thriving thing that still references its past. Just it evolved in a, in a way that it could sustain itself. Yeah. Yeah. So many places have had to go through that kind of a trajectory for, for so many reasons. Um, like when I grew up, the nearest city to us was Winston-Salem, um, which, of course, had a lot of cigarette and tobacco uh, mm-hmm. facilities many of which have have been converted into various other things um, now that cigarettes and tobacco are a much smaller industry than they were uh, just even a couple decades ago. Yeah, it's uh, super interesting. Have you ever been out to Monterey? I have not. Um, It is a really interesting mix because it's smaller than I expected. For some reason, when I think of places with, like, warehouses and, like, village settlements that have been moved to various places, like, I think a few miles of of stretch. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's way more compacted than that. Um, I mentioned in the episode that, like, from the place at Puentalones where the Chinese fishing village was, which sounds like it was, like, a, a really impressive, interesting place on its own because they built their homes like right up to the water and sometimes overhanging the water to the place it got moved down the beach is just not a far walk at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea of it being considered a move even almost seems strange where you're like, but you just walked up the beach because they're very close together. But uh, that was another thing that we I didn't really get into. There was sort of a mini tourism industry that started before even um, Hotel Del Monte was built, which is that because these Chinese fishing villages were so unique architecturally, and some of it was shantytown and some of it, but some of it stood for a really long time. And they were in these strange, what seemed very strange to, um, you know, European descendant locals, these 
structures that were built out over the water and people could literally just like pull their boats up and get in and out of the boat from their house. There were sometimes people that would come in like from San Francisco and just take their carriage on a ride down through the very, you know, narrow streets of this Chinese village because it was like this mini tourism thing where they would just be curious looky-loos about how other people lived. Yeah. Uh, which is a whole interesting thing, especially when you consider that almost no evidence of those people in those villages remains. Yeah. I think we mentioned this in the episode about the San Francisco fire, um, but there is an episode of the podcast 99% Invisible um, about the Chinese community's rebuilding of Chinatown. Mm-hmm. That touches on some of those same themes about how um, tourists were just kind of coming to gawk at the Chinese neighborhood and what that meant for the people who live there in the rebuilding process. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. It's it's also interesting looking even at different reference materials. There are some that kind of paint it almost like the Chinese and Chinese-American inhabitants of the Monterey area had an easier time in terms of dealing with racism than the Chinese community in the city, for example, in San Francisco. But ultimately, they still had to deal with racist attitudes, people complaining about them, undoubtedly professional jealousy over how well they were able to manage their fishing business. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, I'm like, is this a rose-colored glasses situation or was it to some degree a little bit better there? And I don't honestly know. I have not, I don't feel like I have a wide enough data set to feel like I can confidently say one way or the other. Right. But it is something, especially if any of our listeners go looking for more information to take into account that those accounts, all of them are written for the most part um, through the lens of of the white person's experience and not the experience of the people living in that fishing village who probably had a much different uh, point of view and a much different uh, perception of, of how things were and how they were treated. But so prosperous, uh, yeah. which I I wish we still had more evidence of that. We've talked about that, too, the archaeology of San Francisco and how it's only getting harder and harder and harder to find historical evidence, particularly of the, the Asian immigrants who came and really made that part of the California coast what it is today. So our second episode this week was uh, my interview with John Dryden, who makes Tumambe, which is a really interesting podcast. And if you're into historical fiction, I think you would probably really enjoy it. It is extremely compelling, as I mentioned in the course of that interview, when I first started listening to it, um, because in in full disclosure, it was a project that when it came over to iHeart, I kind of helped uh, usher it into being republished on our side. Uh, so I got to hear it all kind of before it got wide release. And I remember just being sort of wowed by how um, how rich an experience it is in audio format. And I think people would really uh, be into it. What's interesting is that it is full of, of intrigues and uh, there is a lot of talk, as, as John and I mentioned, of uprising and, uh, you know, kind of power shifts going on within that world, which is, again, obviously fictional and and sort of fantastical. Um, but as, as Tracy and I have been talking about it and our programming for this week, it feels very weird 
to talk about something like that and not talk a little bit more about current events because they yeah. are on everyone's mind. It honestly feels weird and a little like odd and and wrong to talk about anything else and to sit here and do our jobs, even though right. those are our jobs and they're they have meaning in their own way. Um yeah, it's a strange time where everything feels sort of inconsequential unless we're dealing with the multitude of problems facing us at the moment. Right, right. Well, and you were out last week. Yeah. Um, n- normally, we try to be in a place where when we record something, it is like the following week's episodes at the earliest. Um, because you were out last week. When Monday rolled around with the Cannery Row episode, that had already been recorded two weeks ago, basically. We had already recorded the behind the scenes for it. Yeah. Two weeks ago, right after we recorded it. Um, I got to work on Monday morning to do the QA on that episode, and I th- it was the biggest disparity between the tone of the episode that was coming out and what was happening in the world that I think I have ever experienced in my time working on the show. <laughs> um, and you and I had this conversation of, like, sh- should we acknowledge, should we, like, add on some kind of announcement? Like, we couldn't, we had a, a kind of, a head-scratching conversation about how to handle it because it just really felt like uh, incongruous between what the show was going to say on Monday and what the United States was doing on Monday and what the response worldwide has been to what was happening in the United States on Monday. Uh, Did not have good answers for anything. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And I I kind of was like... uh, I don't think anyone is going to think like that we are evil for having made a show before this happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Like on a, a Monday morning when like I'm just coming back from literally a week of of completely like not having any access to work stuff. Um, and then like our amazing editor Casey is is busy with his own workload. Like it was a going to be a huge weird thing to try to add on something that may or may not have added value to the episode. And then we also have to consider, okay, but somebody that discovers this episode in two years, will that then be a whole other kind of discordant? Yeah. If we have it. So please know that if you didn't like how that played out, it's not something that we're mindlessly doing. We're making choices and they may or may not be the right ones ever, but decisions kind of have to get made and sometimes on the fly. Yeah. Um, I had a similar moment completely unrelated to our podcast where I was uh, watching television and there was an ad for the launch of a new game show that clearly was recorded like before the pandemic started, before any of this. Mm-hmm. And it was just so strange because it's like news, news, news. What's going on in the world right now? Hey, look at all these people having a wacky time on a game show. And I was like, Whoa, this is really weird. But again, it's the same thing where they made that show and are on a whole other schedule. And sometimes those are harder to shift than you might think. Um, It's just a, it's, there's, I don't think there's any way to get through times like this as a human, but also as someone who works in media and, and makes things and publishes them to know the, the right path. Yeah. What we ultimately decided to do with the Cannery Row episode 
um, was just not to put it on our social media because especially social media felt like that would come off as thoughtless and tone deaf, that there was no possible way we could frame it in a social media post where it would seem like it meant something. Um, And we had had, like, we schedule social media stuff ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And we had like a post scheduled for over the weekend that was about, I think, Walt Whitman's birthday or something like that. Yeah. Um, and there were folks on our Facebook page who I think thought that we had gotten up on Saturday or Sunday morning and like intentionally... Let's talk about Walt Whitman. Intentionally said, let's talk about Walt Whitman. <laughs> and it was really the opposite. Like we had scheduled the Walt Whitman thing ahead of time. And then I spent the whole weekend not looking at work social media almost at all. I didn't even open the app on... Sunday because I was like focused on what was happening in the world and whether my friends were safe and whether the people I knew were okay. Like I was not even thinking about what's on the stuff you missed in history class Facebook page. Yeah. And I, I mean, here's the thing, right? I completely understand or at least like can appreciate people being angry about things that seem very frivolous popping up in their timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I don't, I don't begrudge anybody uh, for being like, what the heck are you talking about? Right. Um, but it is just when it's like I said, it's it's one of the perils of our line of work. Like there will always yeah. be moments like that where it's like, um, well, that happened. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was planned because we don't have um, precognitive abilities when it comes no. to what's going to happen in the world. No, I we have been for the last several weeks. Most of our episodes have been in some way influenced by the pandemic. And definitely neither of us foresaw suddenly that not seeming relevant anymore. <laughs> like, right. that was not, not at all. And like, I don't know, I, I, we, we said this uh, in, the, in the intro of the, the interview episode about Tumon Bay. We have talked about the historical context for what is happening right now so much on this show. We have talked so many times about especially Black people, but also Indigenous people, also other people of color, either making advancements in their lives and then having the white community say, no, like, we're going to pass laws to make it illegal for you to make that money. Right. Or or a white mob literally burning down a Black neighborhood. Like, Mm -hmm. it has been part of the show so many times. I do not understand how people can have listened to our show for a long time and not understand that. And I, I'm so angry about what's happening right now. Like, I, I don't even know what I'm going to research next. I, I don't either. I'm in the same boat where I'm like, well, where do we go from here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, one of the things I said on, like, my personal Twitter was that, like, I, I know there are a lot of folks who feel like this moment in history is unprecedented, and it's not. And we've been talking about it for so long, and it feels like we're having the same conversations over and over and over again. Um, I don't know what else I have to add to that, because in addition to everything else, you and I are two white women with a lot of privilege. Oh yeah. And we are not we are not the voices <laughs> that need to be really heard right now. Simultaneously asking for like our our black friends or asking for a black historian to come on our show and do work like for us does not feel like the time for that either. Right. Um this is Tuesday morning, June 2nd. We'll see what happens because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's 
That's like, you've hit on exactly like the problem is that I I 100% I mean we both want to make sure that we're amplifying black voices that we are supporting uh black voices but also like you that doesn't mean that we need to ask them to come and educate people. Right. That is problematic in its own right. Uh so uh, you know we're kind of feeling our way in the dark trying to figure out the best things to do. I'm yeah. I'm sure I will make all kinds of errors and I don't want to but uh, yeah. I recognize that that is a likelihood. Yeah. And the stuff that's coming up on the show for the next week is also stuff that is already written and in some cases recorded and it's like we either have those episodes or no episodes. <laughs> that's the choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's a, a a weird time. I hope everyone, you know, will bear with us. As we said at the beginning of that Two on Bay episode, like if this is not the time and you just don't want to hear people talk about things that don't seem relevant or right right now, like we bear you no ill will if you want to yeah. just hold on to those episodes and listen later or if you want to skip that. Like we understand all of that. Everybody is trying to figure this out in the ways that make the best sense for hopefully them to maintain their mental health as best you can in a situation like this and people going through experiences we cannot possibly understand. I would never presume how they would interact with such material. So uh, that's where we're at. Yep. Uh, I, I don't have anything else to add. I don't either. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 